Hey, beautiful. Welcome to the Pineapple Principle Podcast. I'm Sherry Steele, your host, and I'm excited you're joining us. I want to help mentor you to be all Christ has created you to be. Standing firm, suited up in your armor, owning your identity in Christ, or as I say, owning your crown and loving like Jesus. If what you hear encourages, uplifts, and makes you want to dig deeper into your relationship with Jesus, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen and follow us for more encouragement on Instagram at Pineapple Principle. Now for today's show. Hey y'all, welcome to episode number 51. I am so glad you're with us today. I have got an amazing um, friend on the podcast with me today and her story is something else. You know, God even told her her life was a painting of his grace. You are gonna so love the little nuggets of wisdom she drops. And I hope that her story encourages you. If you're struggling with something similar, know that God's grace is there for you too, and that he loves you. And he wants to be there for you every step of the way. You know, Chelsea is an amazing young lady, talented. And I have watched just over the past year, her story play out on social media and her testimony. And I knew I had to share it with this community. So you all, I hope you enjoy today's show with my conversation with my friend Chelsea. Hey Chelsea, welcome to the Pineapple Principle Podcast. We are so excited to have you on and share your story. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Hey, why, um, I, you know, met you six or seven years ago at a paint party cause you were having a little, um, your business that you had when I met you. Um, mm-hmm. but I want you to just kind of tell everybody who you are, where you're from, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself basically. Okay. Um, my name is Chelsea Madden. I am from Bruton, Alabama, born and raised here. Um, I'm 30 years old and I have a 10 year old little boy. His name is Riley. Um, I'm an artist. Um, I own a business called Painted Grace, and God just restored that back to me. Um, I started it back around 10 years ago. It was called The Dot Shop. That's where I met you um, through the paint parties. Actually, that, since I've met you, so much has happened. But that is, that, is what, that is what I do. I do paint parties. I paint door hangers. I do custom signs. I do murals. I do like all things art. I love it. And your stuff is so gorgeous. I, I like, I love it. I, I mean, it's just, I don't have that kind of talent. And so like when I see people who can do that, it just like, it, it, it amazes me. Cause I, there is not, um, one artistic painting crafty bone <laughs> in my body. I try, but I'm not very good at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, God really blessed me with it. You know, I, when I first started, I was terrible. I remember picking up my first saw and trying to cut a piece of wood on the side of concrete. And I kept running the blade into the concrete and wondering why this wood would not cut. You know? <laughs> and then, you know, fast forward 10 years later, God just like really enhanced my, my gifts. And he's, I get, that's how I provide, you know, for my family. This is my dream. It's my, you know, it's my career. It's not just like a hobby for me anymore. I, I, um, I pray about it every night to look for God to just like, you know, continue to deepen my talents and gifts and creativity and stuff. And so 
he's really, um, in the last six months, actually, he has really like, um, imp- like the Holy Spirit has really impressed me because there's certain things that I cannot do and I'll get going with it. And I'll just have to stop and say, okay, Holy Spirit, like I have this order. I know it's from you. I know it's a blessing. So please just take my hand and help me draw this dog. Like I've never <laughs> drawn a dog before. And recently I've gotten a bunch of dog orders. So, you know, he's good. He, he just takes my hand and does it for me. So, um, that's been wonderful. He does. He, he, he um, he can, he can make anything happen. He can make anything possible. Um, and he has given you an amazing talent and I know he's going to continue to grow your talent, but yeah. let's like, let's like get into your story because okay. it it is, it is so good. So tell me just though, like a little bit of backstory, like, did you like grow up in church? Were you like raised in church? Tell, t- tell us a little bit like okay. uh, well, brief summary. Right. Well, I was raised Baptist. Um, we went to church my entire, um, childhood life. You know, we were in church and then when I got into the youth, we had a youth pastor that, um, he was really great, but I started hanging out with, um, like at first, you know, I was just hanging out with people that were going to church. And then of course, like towards the end of middle school and the beginning of high school, I started venturing out to, um, different friend groups. And so, Around 16, I started drinking, um, you know, just on the weekends and stuff. And um, I never really knew anything about the Holy Spirit. Actually, I thought that the Holy Spirit was made up from my grandmother's church. She's holiness. And I used to go mm. there and think that these people were nuts. You know, I um, I just thought that they were <laughs> insane. I, had no, I, I don't know. I guess I thought they were just making up, you know, speaking in tongues and stuff. So I got out of church um, for a, actually, I did not get back into church until I went to rehab when I was 26. Um, so anyways, um, I just, I, I knew who Jesus was. I knew the stories, but for me, it was a story. It was just like, you know, almost like a fairy tale. Mm. Um, I had no relationship with, with Jesus. I had no idea the power of the Holy Spirit. I had no idea anything about, you know, what the gospel really meant. So, um, I'll fast forward a little bit into my adult life. Um, I had Riley right out of high school. I found out I was pregnant with him. Um, I guess the summer right after I graduated. So I had him, I was 20 years old. Um, I was about to go off to Auburn and everything just kind of shifted for me, of course, you know, so I had him, Um, and I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. None. As a matter of fact, I really resented the fact that I was pregnant. I did not want to be a mom. I had never wanted to be a mom. Um, so the father of, or Riley's father is not in his life and never has been. He came the day that Riley was born. And I, I want to say maybe he's seen him twice since then. So Um, that was really hard for me. I lost, you know, all my friends were moving on, going to college. And I was at my mom and dad's house, raising a baby with no education, no job, nothing. So I had enrolled into our junior college here in our town. Um, and I was going to go be a nurse, which I hate all things medical, (laughs) but I just needed, I just was going to try to do something, you know, to provide. So I, 
um, I had started painting a little sign for Riley uh, to come home to, you know, to stand in front of the door to take a picture with. And when I posted it on Facebook, people wanted to, you know, they were interested in, they wanted to buy something. So I felt like I had something there, you know? So I remember sitting in class, uh, it was actually psychology. And I just got up in the middle of class and quit college. I hated it. I knew it wasn't for me. Um, I came home and told my family I was going to paint for a living and they thought I was crazy. They really thought I was crazy. I had lost my mind. So here I was, you know, single mom, um, with a like infant baby, you know, at my mom's house and I'm painting on tinfoil on the top of her kitchen table. Fast forward, uh, like maybe a year later, um, I was, you know, getting a lot of orders, really tired, you know, having a new baby at home is a lot. So I had a friend that had offered me an Adderall um, to, I was going to do a craft show and I was, had a lot of things going on and he gave me one and uh, to get through that, you know, through that little season. And I realized, mm-hmm. wow, I can get so much done with this little pill. So I went to the doctor I got him on script and I took it as prescribed, you know, um, for a while. And then your body gets I guess, kind of accustomed to that. And so I needed, I went back to my doctor. They continued to raise my script up. I went from 10 milligrams um, a day to 90 milligrams a day within the first year, which is, I mean, that's just, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, I opened up a paint party studio in Bruton. Actually, I had opened up like a little boutique and there, the lady I rented from had had a space in the back uh, you know, that was just available. So I asked her, could I rent it out? And, um, I had this idea. I now know it was from God back then. I had no idea that God was leading me into doing anything. I, you know, I just thought that I was just really good at (laughs) being creative. So I started doing paint parties there. And within the first like six months, I was opening up my new studio in pace. So things were going really good, but I was really, really busy. Uh, so I just continued to take more Adderall, more Adderall, more Adderall. So I had, you know, I had the two studios, um, things were, you know, booming, booming and grooving. I started doing paint parties mobily, like, like going to people's house. Like I had come to your house and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a bunch of employees and things just began to implode for me. I didn't really know how to, I didn't actually know that I had a problem. I had no idea that I was an addict until one day I woke up and I had no more, um, I had no more Adderall in my pill bottle and I couldn't move. I could not function. I couldn't even like move to grab my phone to look at it. My arms were so heavy. And I realized like in that moment, it was such an epiphany, like, wow, you can't function without this, you know? So my script was, no, I couldn't go and get a new script. I couldn't go to a new doctor, you know, nothing like that. So I started buying Adderall from different people around the, around town. Um, so let's say, let's like jump a couple of years. This was, that was just like the, my everyday hustle, like find Adderall, keep myself going. You know, I would run out of my medicines. I would buy other people's. And I did that for a couple of years. Well, I also was doctor shopping. So that's mm. super illegal. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my doctor walked in one day and had a DEA numbers. Uh, well, he had like a sheet of paper and it was like all these DEA numbers. And he got his highlighter out and he, you know, started highlighting all these numbers. And he's like, you're, you can't, you're, oh, I'm going to have to um, discharge you as a patient. This is a problem. And I picked up my purse and ran out of the office. Like, I don't know if I thought they were going to arrest me or what, but I ran out of the office in complete panic. So I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, soon after that, I had a friend um, and I knew that she had kind of like been into drugs before. Uh, so I asked her, did she know where any Adderall was at? And she told, she told me, I don't have any Adderall, but I have something a little bit better than that. So I went to her house and that's the first time I ever did methamphetamine. Um, and that took my life into a complete, you know, downhill spiral. I, the first time I used it, I was just, you know, eating it. And then it, it just became, um, it was just got really, really deep and dark. So my, my family found out. They kept Riley and I went to rehab for the first time at New Beginnings. So that's really where I met, where I met Jesus at. You know, um, I had no, I had no knowledge of, you know, how he worked, how, how the gospel worked. I had no knowledge of the Bible. Um, so all, through all those classes, I really was able to understand who he is. And I was able to look back on my life and see his hand in so many different areas. I had no knowledge about who the Holy Spirit was, how he moved in my life. And I was able to be boxed in. I felt like it was a blessing from the Lord to be there, to be able to have so many classes about him. And, you know, the world saw it as, um, you know, bad. There was a lot of shame, a lot of guilt built up in my heart. You know, um, the world sees rehab as like, you know, oh my gosh, she's a drug addict. She had to go to rehab. Who has her kid? All these things were going on. And it was in my hometown. The rehab was in my hometown. So I chose instead to look at it as, thank God, he took me out of that and put me here, boxed me in where I don't have, you know, I don't have any outside contact with, with the people that I was involved with and all this stuff. So I stayed there for eight months. Um, I did three months in the first like they call it phase one and then phase two. So I stayed in phase one for three months and then I moved to phase two, which is kind of like a sober living and just kind of like, um, ease back into my regular life. Well, I started working for a car dealership and I, I did okay at first, but it just wasn't my calling at all. And I knew I wasn't in alignment. I knew that I wanted to get back to painting. I knew that I, that you know, this is not what God made me for to sell a car at all. And I was just miserable. I was miserable there. Um, the only, you know, I had gotten my own place and stuff. Me and Riley were doing really good. I, I started doing a little bit of gardening and, um, we just, it was just me, Riley and our dog. And we finally were doing really good, you know, like everything was going okay. Except I was just miserable with my job. And, um, I was, I didn't surround myself with Christian people. I, you know, it's so important to surround yourself with the right people mm -hmm. and community. Yes. It, and just having like people that root for you, not, you know, tear you down. I remember the boss walking in, um, 
to my job and like he didn't even know our names not really you know it was just like what are you gonna sell for me today and I had no purpose there it was just you know oh I just I was miserable so I started being miserable at home too you know it it really carries over Mm -hmm. so um I met a I met a man because I have a problem I had a very bad problem with that with um not seeking the right attention. I was trying to fill all these different voids, I guess, uh, with male attention. And, um, I was accepting so many things that I wouldn't today, but, um, you know, anything that made me feel good in the moment, I was down for it. So I met this guy. Um, I moved out of my house and I, fell madly in love with him. Okay. We began to do, um, meth again. It was a harsh relapse and it was, um, there was so much shame and so much guilt in those moments that I began to, you know, completely seclude myself from my family. Um, didn't want anybody to see me, didn't want anybody to know anything about my life, my lifestyle, nothing. I was so ashamed that like I had been to rehab before and here I am doing this again. Um, so when I moved out there, Riley, my son moved with me and it wasn't too long after I got there that, you know, everything's when you start doing meth, everything starts to fall apart. So I quit my job, started to paint again. Uh, but it was just a very extremely toxic relationship. I started noticing a lot of really huge red flags out there other than the meth. And, um, he ended up being really abusive to me physically, mentally, spiritually, everything. Um, very, 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 very abusive relationship. Um, I found out that he was doing so many things like sexually, behind my back. Um, and then I was just like competing for, um, for his attention and also trying to hide away from the world, you know? So I started using, so like I started using more drugs than I had ever used before. I started using in ways that I had never um, used before. The darkness got so thick that, uh, at times I feel like I couldn't breathe. Um, and then there was one night where my son had been taken away from me. Uh, I felt like my life had been taken away from me and I really just wanted to die. I, I knew that there had to be more out there, but I just didn't know how to get, I didn't know how to get out of the hole that I had dug for myself. I didn't know how to get away from this man. I didn't know how to tell anybody what was going on. And I remember, um, laying in bed beside him and just like rolling out of bed and getting on my knees. I lit a candle in front of me because I couldn't see anything around me. And I was petrified. I felt like there was just like demons all around me. And I just prayed out to God, God, if you will, like, I don't know my way out of here. I have no idea how I'm going to do this, but I know that you're real. And I know that you've shown up for me before. And if you'll just give me a way out of here, like, I promise, like, I'll, I'll live for you. And so I had no idea how that was going to look. You know, when we pray Mm -hmm. for stuff like that, we don't, you know, we think that we think that we know, you know, um, or we think that we have an idea of how it should look, 
but right. God knows right. different. So I ended up going to the law for help. I had to get a protection from abuse order from this man. He was really, really scary. Uh, I was scared he was going to kill me. Um, I was scared he was going to hurt my family. Um, you know, the abuse had gotten so bad. So when I went to the law for that, um, we started going to court and he ordered us to be on drug test. Well, I did not go to one of my drug tests because I was going to fail it. And he held me in contempt of court, which mean, which meant that I had, you know, some jail time. Mm-hmm. Um, here I was, like, I was raised well. You know, I, my mom and dad always gave me everything I needed. I, I came from a good home. I, you know, went to a good school. I was raised in church, all these things. And all of a sudden, here I am. I'm going to jail. I had, I was petrified. I had, I mean, how did it get to that point? You know, how did I get here? And, and I'm like, how, how I'm praying. I'm asking God to help me. And now I'm going to jail. And, you know, I mean, so I go to jail and I was, I was so scared in there, but I finally felt safe. And all I could do was pray. I was locked up by myself for nine days. Um, because of COVID, they put you in and then you have to quarantine before you can go in to with all the other girls. Mm. So I was by myself coming off of all these drugs for nine days and the judge had ordered me to go to rehab. Um, and you know, during those nine days, it was just me and God and that nasty jail mat. So all I could do was talk to him. And I, I just remember being the most broken that I've ever been ever. Um, I was shattered. My heart was shattered. I felt like my goals were just, you know, like completely shattered. Everything about my life was just in complete shambles. So, um, 12 days, like I go into jail, I stayed for 12 days and I ended up going to the wings of life. And, um, that's where God really, really met me. Um, you know, he broke all the shame and the guilt off of my heart. And he began to speak to me about, um, about my dreams. And that's where the name uh, pain and grace came from is I was asking him, you know, to please help me. God, like, please help me know what I'm supposed to do next. Um, I know I can't go back and be anything of my old self. I can't, there's no part of this, this life that can continue to go with me. Everything has to change everything. The only thing that can stay, you know, the same is I still have the same gifts and talents and I'm still a mom. But everything else that I've been has to go. And, you know, that seems daunting. You know, you look at your life in a bird's eye view and everything. You're saying that everything has to change. And it feels so overwhelming, you know. So God gave me a vision of an apple. <laughs> it sounds silly, but it was, it's was it been really helpful for me. Um, you know, and he told me, he said, Chelsea, if you take, if you take a whole apple and you try to eat the whole thing at one time, like you take the whole thing and eat it at once. What's going to happen? And I'm like, God, I'm going to choke. You know, I'm going to choke. I can't eat a whole apple at once. And he said, okay, what happens if you take a bite and chew it? And then you swallow it. What happens? And I'm I, I'm answering God, you know, and I, this is like the, this was one of the first times that he had ever spoken to me like this, where I was like, it was like questions and answers where he helped me to understand that he was, that he's my teacher, you know? Mm-hmm. And he gave me, he gave me something so that I could like visually see it. But he asked me what would happen if I took one bite out of the apple and chew it. And I'm like, well, I, I chew it. My belly gets full. I'm 
you know, getting the nutrients out of it. And that's how he told me, this is what, this is how this transformation is going to be. You're going to take one bite at a time and you're going to take one bite at a time and you're going to swallow it and it's going to give you nutrients. And then you're going to take another bite. And then eventually you're going to get the whole thing, but it's going to be a process. And so I, um, I started getting into our, we had a prayer closet there and I had never, um, like really got into a prayer closet before and got on my knees. But I knew that like, that was the only way that I was going to, that things were going to really change and transform in my heart. There was a lot of trauma from that abuse. There was a lot of anger. I mean, I used to wake up in the middle of the night and just be so angry from dreams um, that I would have to go into that prayer closet and just beg God to just please remove the root of trauma out of me. And so I started begging God to, you know, um, to heal me from that to deliver me from any kind of, uh, from any kind of drug, <laughs> anything to do with anything drugs. Like that doesn't just mean using drugs. That means like, you know, romanticizing the idea of it, being around anyone that, you know, uses drugs, being around that lifestyle at all. You know, that is just, um, you can't, when you're in recovery, you can't be around any of that. You can't even have the desire to be around any of that. And that's, there's one of the prayers I had not asked for before and at New Beginnings. I had not asked God to, you know, to deliver me completely. I had, mm-hmm. there was still, there was still ideas in my mind that it was fun or that, you know, Adderall would help me get, you know, so much done and all that. And so I asked him to shatter those, those mindsets and he did. And he began to, you know, show me visions and dream, like visions of uh, my future visions of painted grace and what that meant, what even those words meant, you know, that he is, that my life is a painting of his grace, that my career is a painting of his grace. Um, although I, you know, although drugs took all that away from me and although that, you know, I went through so much darkness, like he restored that back to me. And like, that's, you know, that's what grace is about. And so, um, he didn't hold it against me. He didn't hold any of these things against me. And like, like every other man, that I had ever been with had. So um, he gave it back to me and he has blessed it. And he's all like, he's all the way in it. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. I love it. I love it. I, girl, you dropped some good nuggets there. Like there, the apple. <laughs> I love the that apple. one bite at a time. I love it. Yeah. I he, mean, um, yeah, he, I didn't know that God spoke in that way. I, you know, one thing I, I wish that my younger self knew was this, that God does not talk to you like this. Hey, Chelsea, you know, he doesn't, <laughs> that's not, that's not how he works. Um, I had never been taught about that. I had never, no one had ever sat down with me and said, you know, this is how the Holy Spirit talks. This is how you hear him. And this is how you look for him. And, um, those types of things. I, I really didn't know any of that until I went to rehab. And so I count rehab completely as a blessing. You know, uh, I count all those classes as a blessing because without that, I I wouldn't know how to hear him and I, I wouldn't know how to look for him. And I definitely wouldn't have the relationship that I have with him. Um, yeah. Um, a friend recently shared something with me about, you know, praying isn't just about talking. It's about listening. And it sounds <laughs> like you did a lot of listening. When you were in well, the prayer closet. 
Yeah, I, um, you know, I had a really, I'm already open-minded anyways. I'm a free spirit, but I, I don't know. I don't know what I had expected, um, you know, to happen with, with God this time. Like I knew that he was going to show up for me, but I had no idea like how radically like he was going to show up. So we had a lot of classes about prayer. So I had an open mind when I would go into the prayer closet that he absolutely was going to talk to me and that he wanted to talk to me. He wanted to, you know, help heal me. And, and, um, when I, when I made the effort to go and sit down with him in a prayer closet, to get away from all the girls, to get away from all the drama, to get away from all the noise and to really focus and sit down with him and say, okay, God, here I am. And I'm, I'm wanting to hear from you. Here's, you know, here's what's on my heart, but what do you have to say to me? And when you just take that moment and just stop, stop your mind, just listen for him. He will download so much for you. I remember being in that closet and like, um, it was dark in there and it was, it was really like the tiniest little space and it was kind of nasty. Honestly, it was like dust everywhere, you know? (laughs) Um, it has very little light and I had my, I had this little notebook that I carried in there with me. Um, cause I knew I just went in and expecting, I feel like if you go into prayer, expecting to hear from him, like he's faithful and he's going to talk to you. He's not just going to like let you down. You know, he never lets us down. And so I had this notebook and I'm like trying to write it out and you can't read anything in this. Like it was so much information from him about like my dreams and stuff and like what he wanted it to be. Um, it was just, it was wild, but yeah, I, and I've also, I, I took that home with me. That was one thing. And, on, and to be honest with you, I've been failing at that because I've been really busy. Um, and I haven't been very intentional with, you know, uh, getting alone and getting on my, like, there's just something special about getting on your knees and on your face in front of his feet and, you know, really going to him and making that time for him. But I carried that home with me. And at first it felt really weird. Like it felt really weird. You know, everyone knew me as not someone who was very spiritual, not someone who was even really a good person. Um, you know, people definitely didn't, didn't see me like that. And some people still don't, and that's okay. You know, it's just going to take time. Um, so it was really awkward at first, you know, to come home and even to do it in front of my family, you know, just take that time, put on some worship music and be intentional with spending a little time with him in prayer. And every single time that I've ever done that, he has shown up for me in ways and has told me things and he's led me to like, he started leading me to share my business journey. And I was embarrassed of it. You know, at first I was embarrassed that I had, I was 30 years old. I had no money. I mean, no money. My car was ruined. Um, I was living back at home with my mom. I couldn't even buy one sheet of wood. I had to buy a half a sheet of wood to do one hanger. And I had to go to Walmart and get like the little 50 cent paints. And I could only get like one of each color. And I barely had enough to like finish the, you know, finish the order. Um, so anyways, he began to lead me to share all this with people. And I'm like, God, are you serious? You know, you really want me to tell all this. I'm embarrassed by it. And he said, no, no, no. You know, and he just told me like he wanted the shame and the guilt to like be dropped off of me. Mm. And that, so part of, um, part of the journey of healing from the shame and the guilt of, of all of the, all of the things, you know, becoming a drug addict and losing everything that you've got. He wanted me to share that with people. 
And he wanted people to be able to see what he can do. And that's what he said. In the last six months, like I started sharing my testimony um, on social media. I started sharing about like the gruesome details of the darkness and stuff, because without those, without those parts, you can't see how good he's been to me. You can't see the glory that he has. You can't see like the grace that, you know, um, has flooded into my life. And so within the last, you know, six months, um, but, you know, he told me to begin to share. And then as he's, you know, as he's blessed my new business venture, as he's, you know, started blessing me with more and more orders, it's been like, you know, I've, I've put it on, um, I put it on front street for everybody to see so that they can see him. You know, it's not about me. It's about him. That's what, that's why we mm. tell our stories. It's because it's supposed to touch his children. It's supposed to touch other people. And so, um, a lot of, I've had a lot of healing by just telling people about my story, owning it, owning my truth, telling them what has happened. And then like telling them how God has changed everything for me. And I think, you know, the Bible talks about he makes beauty out of ashes and he's definitely going to use your ashes to tell beautiful stories that are going to touch people like not just in the next six months, but I'm talking the next six years and the next 60 years. It's, it's going to be a butterfly ripple effect of what God has brought you through and how it's going to transform other people. Just watching your journey, it just, it, it even as someone that is a Christian and is not lost or dealing with um, um, a drug addiction right now or in an abuseful situation, your, your story brought life to me. Like it, it just like, it was like a sweet reminder of like the grace that God gives and the love and the mercy that he has for us. And we don't have to do anything, but say, Lord, I accept it. And you, you, you accepted it and you ran with it. And I love it. I love it. Well, I, one thing that, one thing that he has shown me too, since I've gotten home is I, I live in a small town. Everyone, you know, everyone knows everyone's business or at least they think they do. Um, and I have a lot of friends or I've had a lot of people reach out to me and, you know, maybe they're not going through a drug addiction or maybe they're not going through exactly what I went through. But, um, you know, God doesn't want us to live in shame and guilt. That mm-hmm. is, a, it is a grave dug by the devil. And if he can keep you down in there, then he can keep you from shining. And, you know, God really wants us to be able to, to talk about all these things um, with other people because it does help other people. It really does. And so I've had a lot of people, um, it's like, they're scared to, um, you know, admit it, admit what they're going through or to talk about it. And it's not for everyone. I understand, you know, it's not for everybody to just, you know, (laughs) walk around talking about their stuff. And I get that, but you know, um, you don't have to be ashamed of where you've been. You don't have to feel um, you know, you don't have to just live in shame and guilt. It just keeps you so bound up. And I just want everyone to know that, you know, owning your truth and telling what God has done in your life is so freeing. And it's so, um, it's so important because you never know, you know, who's going to hear it. You never know who needs to hear it. You never know who needs to connect with you. So it's just so important for us to, um, be led by the Holy Spirit about it. You know, every single time that I've ever posted anything, it's I, I didn't want to. You know, God told me um, <laughs> to do it. And like, I'll go to, you know, write out a post or talk to someone or whatever. And um, I'm like, God, what, what, what do you want me to say here? You know, and it's like I'll start typing and the Holy Spirit kind of just takes over my fingers and over my mind. And 
Um, you know, because he knows what someone's supposed, he knows what someone needs and, Mm -hmm. um, he knows the parts of your story that are important or not important. That's all important, but he knows the parts of your story that, you know, there's a specific reason and need for in that moment. Yes. Yes. That's so true. So true. I am so thankful that you shared your story with us and I know it is going to be so encouraging, uplifting and helping to so many that hear it, um, not just on the podcast, but as you continue to share your story. But we always like to end things around here with one like fun question. Um, um, I was a reader as a kid. I'm still a reader. I love to read. Um, Some of my favorite books when I was young were um, Little Women, uh, A Wrinkle in Time and The Secret Garden. Um, and I don't know if you've read any of those books, but I just I've read little women before <laughs> little women. So, um, out of those three titles, just pick either little women, um, wrinkle in time or the secret garden. And I'm going to ask you a, uh, like a question, um, kind of based on the, not about the book, but like that, uh, is relatable to the book. Okay. Little women, little women. Okay. So yeah. little women, you know, it's about, it's about four sisters. Mm-hmm. And so I always ask, um, so tell me, who are three women, three friends, three people that are like in your tribe that are your core group that you go to and um, like why they're so important to you and how they help you? Okay. Um, my mom, my aunt, and my sister, um, they, first of all, I never thought through all of, through all the darkness, I never thought that I would ever be able to have a relationship with them again. Um, so, you know, I, and as a teen too, like you think, you don't think that your mom knows anything. Like mm-hmm. You don't, you want to rebel against everything that she says, but my mom was there for me through all of this. She's my biggest cheerleader. She's my biggest supporter. And she's also, she keeps me accountable and to have someone that will call you out on your crap. And that's who she is for me. She calls me out. Um, my aunt, she pushes me. Uh, she has always seen my potential. And she she pushes me to do my best. She pushes me to go outside of my comfort zone. And she pushes me to have, um, you know, a more structured lifestyle. And she pushes me to be more professional. Mm. My sister who I relate, God really restored our relationship, but she's who I go to about my mom issues, not, you know, motherhood issues. Right. Right. Uh, she's a mom of two. So, uh, and they're little, so we, you know, we bounced back on, uh, you know, I wasn't a good mom for a long time. And so I have a lot of questions about what do you think that I should do and stuff. So she, you know, she helps me, uh, in that area a lot. So, those are my three core women. I love it. I like community is so important. Um, it is your community, your tribe, your, your, your inner circle is so important. And like, I love that you have someone that, that calls you out, someone that pushes you and then that, but then someone's there to like help you and speak life into you. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That was awesome. Um, I just want to say again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And um, I know God is going to bless your business. He's going to bless your life. You as a mother, as a person. Um, and I'm going to let you go because I know you said you had 70 projects you've got uh, <laughs> to get going. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey, I just want to say one last thing. I, I listened to a podcast that you had done previously and you had asked the girl um, if she had anything to say to teens or if she could, yes, yes. Time, if she could yes. tell her teen self something. And I just want to say this. Um, if I could turn back and tell my teenager self something, um, what I would tell her is to believe in herself, to believe that she's good and believe that she's worthy. And that she's worthy of being treated right. And not to seek the attention of men, but to seek the attention from the Father. To seek the approval from, um, not a man, um, but from God. And I, I, and to have good friends, you know, to surround yourself. I, I wish I would have told myself, surround yourself with, you know, people that are doing the right thing. Whenever you feel that something's off, it's off. Whenever you feel like, you know, you have to hide what you're doing from your parents or from other, um, you know, other friends that are doing the right things, it's not, it's never, it's not going to take you anywhere good. So believe in yourself, um, stay true to your core values and don't accept anything that makes you feel icky. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that uh, that was uh, Emily Kate, and she had picked yeah. wrinkle, in, wrinkle in Time. And that's the yeah. question. If you could go back <laughs> and, and give your younger self advice. Yeah, see, <laughs> you got to do two. I love it. No, that, that was awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. Thank and you. Um, I hopefully we will be talking to you again soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed this. We hope today's show encouraged you and gave you a few aha moments. Most importantly, have you digging deeper into your relationship with Jesus. Make sure to check out the show notes for any scriptures or books we mentioned. If you love the podcast, please share it with a friend or on Instagram and even tag us. We would love for you to leave a rating where you listen to podcasts. It helps others to find us. We would also love to know who our listeners are, and you can do that by finding us on Instagram or our website, pineappleprinciple.org. Until next time, keep your armor on, own your crown, and love like Jesus.